Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. I'm Marian Nulevant here in Portland, Oregon. And today we have on Ben Orenstein from Tuple. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No worries. So we're having you on to talk about pair programming with Tuple or in this day and age of, of COVID-19, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Lots more people are doing kind of the remote working thing. And I, I would imagine that that has been an interesting time for you with Tuple. And we'll get into that in just a second. But we got to figure out exactly what this Tuple thing is. So if you were sitting with a friend of yours in Cusco, Peru, and you're eating a quay and drinking mate coca, and your friend turns to you and says, you know, hey, what is Tuple anyway? What would you tell him? Well, I'm I'm pretty sure he would say tuple. Tuple. I'm pretty okay. sure that would, that would be the pronunciation okay. in Peru, yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would tell him that it is an app for doing remote pair programming mm -hmm. on Mac OS. That's good. And you're, you're enjoying your Kui, I mean, which is wonderful. You know what Kui is? You ever had that before? I have not, no. Kui is guinea pig, and it's a, a speciality oh. in there, so you're dying to get into it, so it's good that you were kind of pithy with it. But we, let's just have that conversation. Okay. Let's just get it out of the way. Is it tuple or tuple? Like, what is it? Okay, so as far as... Or tuple. Yeah, <laughs> as far as, like, English words go, mm -hmm. uh, both are correct. Those are both legit pronunciations. Mm -hmm. But how do you... We, we say tuple. Okay. Yes. You say cool, tuple. However, the computer science definition of the word no. and the pronunciation that I found everywhere else is tuple. But just to mm. be contrarian, I'm going to go with the Chipotle pronunciation and call <laughs> it tu tuple. Okay. Sure. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. We'll go with tuple. So what is tuple? Or sorry, I'm going to try to say this. I'm going to try really hard to say this. I'm just apologizing right now, Ben. I'm going to say Don't it worry. wrong. I'm going Don't to Don't even say it correct wrong. yourself. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. So tuple. So explain to people, mm. why why don't I just use, you know, like uh, daily.co or whereby, which used to be a peer.in or any number of these other video sharing tools. Like, why don't I just use that? Why do I need a specialized tool for pair programming? Well, I mean, you don't really. You can definitely get by with those tools. And the reality is that almost all of our customers are coming from some other tool. So mm. they've been getting by with something like Zoom or Slack or a whereby or something like that. Yep. So you can you can do pair programming with some of those tools. The area where we differ is primarily around remote control. So we offer like full keyboard and mouse remote control. So it's like you're sitting next to me and you've actually plugged in your own set of inputs. Mm. And we've invested a lot of effort in things that programmers care about that the average public doesn't care about. So there's, there's that remote control piece, which we think is important for pairing. But then there's also lots of little UX things and trade-offs we've made. So for example, we prioritize using less CPU than you might otherwise, because we know developers are doing things like running Docker containers or you know mm. compiling things, and oh. CPU is a precious resource. So we just our, our fundamental thesis was, if we went after pair programming as a particular niche, like if we made that our use case, and we just made all these decisions, architectural decisions, UX decisions, that we would be able to make something that was much more pleasant to pair program with that generic tool. It's really evident. I mean, so I have been using Tuple for quite some time. Hmm. Or not quite some time, but I, I learned about it originally from kind of friend of the show, Adam Watham. And All right, yeah. He, he may not be friends with us, but we're friends with him. So. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. We, we've had a, I get it. I get it. We've had a Adam on a number of times. He's a great guy. But I, mm-hmm. I heard about it from him, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm gonna go check this thing out. And I tried it. And my favorite thing about it is when I first connected, like there was no Chrome. Like it was just I saw their yeah. screen, and it was just there, and it was super clear. Like there wasn't it wasn't as kind of muddy or or nasty as some of these other screen sharing tools that I've used before. You know, totally. Yeah, so like those two decisions are, are 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 very good examples. So like the the Chrome thing was big for us because I've used Zoom a fair amount, and it's got that bar that you have to like drag around and constantly like kind of gets in the way, uh, and that always drove me crazy. And so we we're like, okay, no UI Chrome. We're gonna tuck everything up into the little menu bar app. And then also clarity is a big one. So mm. so most almost all video conferencing things are built around sharing faces. Right, And it turns out you can have a pretty low resolution and still understand someone's expressions and such. Mm-hmm. But if you take those same settings and then try to push screen pixels through it, it makes it pretty hard to read code. And often developers have a ton of text on the screen and this text is very, fairly small and every little detail matters. Like a less than is very different than a greater than in our world. Mm. Uh, so so we crank up the quality quite a bit at the expense of some bandwidth because we think it's important for our use case. And I would imagine that in order to, and we'll, we'll, we'll nerd out a little bit, but I would imagine that in order to get this kind of efficiency, you're probably hooking into the Windows server because I know that it will it will give you a, a diff and it will show you like just the areas that changed on the screen. Are you doing that? You're then, and then just sending along just the area that it says changed? That's right, yep. Yeah, yeah, we're basically shipping diffs over the wire. And then every so often it will do what's called a keyframe, which is it gets the whole screen just to yeah. make sure in case something weird has happened, you have like a, a fresh version. Yep. But then in between it's it's trying to send like very minimal things such that if you have, if stuff is not changing on your screen, we use almost no bandwidth because there's just nothing to send. Yeah. And, and I know this because in a former life, I wrote a video capture program for the Mac and it does the same thing, right? Where, there you go. Where whenever the, whenever something changes on the screen, you, and, and actually there's a, a debugging tool you can use to turn this on so you can see like the changed areas of the screen, but it would take just mm-hmm. the area that changed and send along just that diff. And like you said, if nothing's happening, it's not doing anything, right? That's pretty awesome. It is nice. It's great to see like the CPU usage and the bandwidth just like fall off, just drop down when, when not much is going on. Yeah. And one of the other fun features that I've really liked and always surprises people when they connect the first time, like I, I've connected with Jonathan and done some pair stuff with him. One of the things that we like doing is the fact that you can draw on the screen. So when someone shares their screen with you and you're kind of observing it, by default, you have a pen tool that you can use, right? You remember that, Jonathan, the first time we yeah, connected? Yeah, I was going to say, some, some of us enjoy doing that more than others. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'll look I'll, over my screen, it'll just have scribbles all over it. Well... When we're waiting for like Webpack to build or Docker <laughs> yeah. Compose to do its thing. Right. Like, you know, what are we going to do? But it is, I do like that, Ben. I like that I can just kind of like doodle on there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I do yeah, have, no, it's, it's fun. I, I do have another person that unfortunately is a guest that couldn't make it, uh, Matt, that I've connected with. And uh, Matt, unfortunately, like has drawn some not so friendly things on my screen when <laughs> we're sharing. Like, he, I don't know if you've seen American Vandal, but he, he drew a phallus on my screen. Is there uh, some, I oh, see. That doesn't sound like Matt. I'm, I'm going to tell you. you know, a, I absolutely had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. So I'm gonna. <laughs> Thanks, I'm gonna share a, a little known pro tip here. Yeah. Uh, which is almost a secret feature. Which is you. If if someone's drawing on your screen. Yeah. If you double click on the paint, it will clear it. Oh. That's beautiful. I can prevent Matt from doing his dastardly deeds. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's that's basically an, an Easter egg. So enjoy. Well, it, no, but it really is. Like I love the fact. Like half of the time when you're doing these guided things, you're like, no, over there. Like no, click yeah. over there. And mm-hmm. it's so nice to just be able to draw a circle and be like here. 
here. Yeah. You know, sometimes like, I'll even catch myself like pointing at my screen, yeah. trying to tell them <laughs> as if they can see me. So the, the ability to just like circle something in the sidebar of yep. the IED that you're trying to refer to, I mean, it just instantly gets rid of that friction. Mm -hmm. Yep, totally. And I'm used to, you know, when I've had products to do support to, you do the the arrows that point to like the thing, you know? And I, I find myself doing that all the time too, where I just do like an arrow, like over there, you know, this is the thing that we need to be paying attention to. Totally. So, <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I, I have a question about the pricing of this thing. So how does the pricing work? Because I, I signed up for this thing back when there was like a freelancer pricing and then there was something else and it was kind of confusing. I honestly have no idea what I picked, but it looks like the pricing model has changed how does it work now yeah that's so you're, you're right that it was confusing it was a thing so so we have basically te been testing various pricing schemes mm -hmm. uh, over the months and we're pretty we're pretty settled on where we are now uh, and hopefully it's a little less confusing but could still probably use a little bit of tweaking but the base basically the way it works is paid users cost 25 dollars per user per month mm -hmm. and paid users can pair with anyone you can add guest users for free. So if you have a paid account, you can add 20 people, none of whom have to pay. Hmm. They can all pair with you because you're paid, but they can't pay with each other. Okay. So basically at least one person on a call has to have a paid account. Right. So, but, but only one, right? So if I had a Correct. client that I needed to see what was going on, I could have them install Tuple. They could share their screen and we can just go from there, right? Exactly. Yep. And we have a fair number of consultancies that have rotating cast of clients using it. And that's exactly what they do. Yeah. So it's $25 a month. I don't have to worry about who now, does it matter who initiates the screen share? Nope. So it makes no difference. I could share with them. They could share with me as long as one person on the call has a paid account. That's all we need to worry about. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, that's and fantastic. And you can swap during the call. Like you can share your screen and then they can, without even starting a new call, just start sharing theirs. It's, it's yeah. If it's I just, could, like, I would suggest updating the copy on your website to say basically that. <laughs> just yeah. as long as one person on the call has a paid account, you're good. Because that's that's where I was confused about. Yep. I was, uh, I'm making a note. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, I, it does say pair with external collaborators for free. It oh. does. But the thing I was confused about is I thought that that meant that they could share their screen, but I couldn't share mine. Oh. You know, it's, you know so mm. making it clear that all, it, all that matters to get full functionality is that one person has a paid account. I think that makes sense. Would at least, it would at least clear it up for me. I may just be being totally. a dummy you know but it, no 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 yeah this is a common uh, confusion point and this has actually been one of the interesting learnings of, of building a business is that things you think are clear hmm. are not that clear well because you're like too close we, to the product exactly <laughs> yeah yep totally you you know how it works but you're you know other people are approaching it and they're you know they don't know they, they don't they're not in your head thank god <laughs> They, they don't even know how to pronounce the name of the product. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's horrible. Well, that, that makes it really awesome. So I, I've got an, uh, an additional question based on that. And I'm not going to make the whole show just about me <laughs> getting my answers. Don't worry. <laughs> sure, no problem. But is there a way, like let's say Jonathan and, and I are, or Patrick and I are, are sharing a screen because Patrick and I have used this thing too, just for a couple minutes to, to test it out. Let's say he's sharing his screen and I want to say, no, 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 let me show you. Is there so, some way we can switch or do we have to disconnect? Disconnect yes. and okay, so how do nope. we switch up in the menu bar app? You can just go click there's a button called start sharing. Yep, and that will swap who's sharing screens. Oh, mm. so that's nice. I didn't even know that could happen. You know, we honestly have been doing what I was saying, like we've been <laughs> disconnecting and reconnecting. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is just more of the same thing where it's like yeah. it's just it's not always obvious how to use the thing. Like yeah. people actually email us semi regularly and ask for features that we already have, right? That we're just doing a bad job of surfacing. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's very common. I mean, I, I sell product as well, and mm -hmm. it's super common that that is what you run into, you know, but that's great though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, from your point of view, that's an education problem. It's not that yes. you have to devote engineering time to actually fix or enhance the product. You already thought of it. You just have to communicate it, it to them better. Right. Or, or make it more obvious in the UI. Like it would be nice if it wasn't education, if like no education was even required. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe even like some quick, if there, I don't know if you already had this, but something like some quick little screencast or something like getting started with, yeah, getting started with Tuple. Like this just sort of explains, you know, where some uh, of these little features do, are tucked. Do you watch those when you start a new product? I always do, actually. Yeah. Okay. If, I, nice. I'm a big fan. Yeah. If they're built into the product, I do. So if it's hmm. something where when, once it's installed, it says, hey, I'm installed. Do you want me to show you how to do it? Then I totally do because it's right then and there. If it's something hmm. that I have to go back to their website, find where it is is click it to then watch it uh it's kind of kind of shaky yeah. in terms of whether also that too I, I usually when i see the player i look at how long the video is that, if it's mm. like a seven minute video i'll totally watch it yeah if it's 20 minutes i won't yeah okay that's true be All respectful right. of, of people's time yeah so, yeah yeah so i have a i have a very basic question yeah it's mm -hmm. pair programming but can you do triple programming and quad programming that's a good question actually you can do triples so you can add a third person as what? an observer to a call what? Which is another, uh, yeah, feature that uh, a lot of people don't happen to know about <laughs> that they ask us for. Okay. This is great. This is exposing all of our uh, poor <laughs> discoverability. This thing's feature packed and we didn't even know. My God, I feel uh, so I'm dumb. Glad this is happening. I feel so dumb. Uh, live on the air. How do I no, do no, it? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, this is, this is our fault. So on a call, if you click the menu bar app, there's a little person icon with a plus next to it. Uh -huh. And if you do that, you can add a third person. Oh my God. See, where's your... Here's why I never even looked to try and do that is everywhere mm -hmm. in your verbiage, this is about pair programming. So yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. well, I may be kind of slow. I may not know how to pronounce tuple or tuple, but I know that a pair is two, you know? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so I never and even, I, I never even looked for it, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And, and to be honest, our strength is the one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. So when you add the third person, it's actually somewhat limited. So the third person is an observer and they can't do remote control right now. Right. So, right. That, so it's, it's. It's honestly, it's a, it's a thing that we built because people were screaming for it. And so we're like, what's the MVP version of this that we can ship? And so we did this and it gets, it, it's nice if like, if like two of you are working on a feature mm -hmm. and you want to bring in a third person as kind of like a, Hey, can you just confirm this works? Or can you just answer a question here? And then that person drops off the call. It's not as good for three programmers that want to take turns driving. Right. So we, so we don't talk it up very much because it's, it is a bit limited, but we do eventually want to come back and, and give it its proper its proper due. Oh my God, I'm so glad that mm. Marion asked that because I mean, a tuple after all, I mean, it's just a, an ordered sequence of elements, right? There's no limit to the number of elements right. in, in a tuple, right. right? So and if, and if you say tuple, it sounds like two people, but if you say tuple, it just sounds like it could be any number. That's true. Yeah. Mm, you guys might have mm. to think you might have some rebranding going on behind the scenes. Oh no. <laughs> we have too much to do already. No, so they yeah, introduced the Tuple, the app formerly known as Tuple. That would be hilarious <laughs> oh, if, you, if you did a big media rollout and you were just That's like, actually kind of a great idea. <laughs> it I is a great like idea because everyone runs into these pronoun here's the funny thing. So in programming, especially, because in programming we're used to reading a word a lot, but rarely saying it out loud. You know what I mean? Especially totally. if you're working yeah. on your own. So I, I encounter this all the time. And I also, I just have like a handicap when it comes to pronouncing words, right? But it would be mm -hmm. hilarious if you did a big media rollout and you were like Tuple, formerly known as Tuple. <laughs> or <laughs> the other way around, you know, depending yeah. where you want to end up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just don't go with Tuple because that's, 
that's going to really confuse people, I think. So I just want to let everyone know who might be listening to this that if you are used to using some one of the screen sharing tools like Zoom or, you know, Whereby, which used to be called Appear.in, which was an awesome name, by the way. <laughs> Whereby is kind of lame. Or Daily <laughs> or any of these other kind of screen sharing things. Tuple really is pretty amazing in terms of it does what you want when you are doing pair programming where you want to show people how stuff works because you just click it it's sharing your screen for you and it just gets completely out of your way like there's nothing going on that interferes with it and even on the viewing end like you just see it in a window and you can mark it up you can take control which i think is super important a lot of these other tools are kind of frustrating because they don't let you circle something or draw an arrow there or more importantly take control right Ben yeah absolutely and honestly this is great I feel like I should have you do a, a case study for us because you're you're selling the product very well well I will do a case study I mean so when whenever we have someone on the show to talk about a product it's always something that I use and it's always something that I like and use because I'm not gonna have someone on and talk about a product that I used it and it sucks and just spend like an hour <laughs> trashing them right like what's the point yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be cool. that would be a great episode actually for, for, I mean not for them <laughs> It'd be like American Idol would, where they just could, trash the bad singer. Yeah. Would anyone go on that podcast? Like if you had a podcast called like, what were you thinking? And yeah. you would like just like <laughs> blast people about their bad product decisions. Would anyone be a guest? I don't know. If it was really good feedback, I might do it because it's basically like an audio version of Shark Tank. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Russian engine episode going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? Sort of a, no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. I think like people would like to listen to it, but I wonder if people, if you could get anyone to go on knowing what it was. It would basically be like fraternity hazing, you know? I mean, like it's just, yeah, yeah. it would be, it would be kind of brutal, but no, seriously, I think it's important to mention because there are lots of tools out there that will let you basic share a screen for free, right? They don't cost anything. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing with Tuple is so much better when it comes to pair programming. And the best thing I can say about the lack of CPU usage is I have never noticed when Tuple is running. Mm. And that is Tuple. not the case with a lot of these other programs that just slow things down to a crawl. And, and yeah, like when you're, if you're doing a screen share and you're trying to show someone like how to run Webpack inside of Docker and like you're spinning up all this crap, their their machine is just going to start crying for mercy. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, like the, the, okay. fan, the fans are going to kick in and they're going to drown out any audio that you might have. <laughs> well, when you were talking earlier about how a lot of people who, who come to who come to tuple or getting by with other tools so mm. that's exactly what it felt like to me getting by yep. is exactly how i describe it so i'm a huge fan of zoom i still use zoom every day and i was and i guess we were using zoom for this purpose before but it did always kind of feel like well we're kind of shoehorning this tool um mm -hmm. into this to this situation mm -hmm. to make it work but it doesn't quite feel right tuple was completely different in that it removed all of the pain points of trying to use something like Zoom or Whereby. It was just zero friction. I didn't even really think about like the, the CPU impact, but now that I think about it, it is uh, considerably less. So yeah, just removing all the friction from the process is, is the clear selling point. That's 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 great to hear. That that was something we kind of did accidentally, but it worked turn out turned into a bigger deal than we thought it was, which is since Tuple lives up in your 
menu bar, like where your clock and, and sound controls are and, and Wi-Fi, you're basically two clicks from being on a pairing session with someone. Mm. And so there's no invite link. If it, and so people say that it feels lightweight to them. And because also like when running it, it there's no Chrome and there's low, low CPU. So the experience is just like, oh, it's, it's not a big deal to hop on a, a pairing session with someone. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that feeling was not something we were explicitly shooting for. But like now that we have it, people talk about it a lot. Like they refer to it as lightweight. Yeah. So we, we know now. And if you're already working on a complicated problem, like that's going to be frustrating enough, like to have the added frustration <laughs> of like, you can't make your idea clear because you can't quite see what's going on or, or mm-hmm. it's a little laggy or whatever. It just makes the process so much more frustrating. Totally. That actually reminds me of the, the weight of calling someone versus texting someone. Like mm-hmm. these days mm-hmm. to me, like if I get a call from someone, like that's like a big deal. You're like, you know oh, what I mean? God, like it's a, either, either something really bad is happening or, you know, just something really important and it's very very disruptive mm. whereas a text a text is just like whatever like you know i would i would actually for most things prefer that people text me and it is that kind of weight difference at least in my mind between tuple and something like an arranged zoom meeting between a telephone call and a text you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. you've it's happened many times that either i've had a problem or jonathan's had a problem or whatever patrick's had an issue and like we just connect real quick talk it through solve it and then disconnect that's, that's all you know Perfect. Yeah. Like get in, get out. I can't finish that song because our, <laughs> our podcast is, is uh, the rating will go down, Marion. We don't want that, right? <laughs> we definitely it's don't the clock want that. Yeah. We, you know. In any event, a question that I had about this is what about a Windows client? I'm sure that you get mm. this all the time. Maybe to a lesser extent, you get questions about a Unix client. What about it? Well, here's the first weird thing, which is that we Mm. actually get way more requests for a Linux client than Windows. Hmm. What? And it's actually about two to one. Wow. It doesn't seem too surprising to me. So it's shocking to me. Yeah. So here's, here's my theory. So there's are about, so the the market of developers is basically 50% Windows, 25% Mac, 25% Linux, roughly. Mm -hmm. So it is weird to get so many Linux requests, but I think it's actually a, a result of the fact that we started on Mac. Mm. Mm. because Mac is a Unix at heart. And so it's not a huge jump to go from Mac OS to something like uh, Ubuntu, for example. Mm. So I think it's actually, we're seeing people that kind of like jumped ship from Mac OS perhaps and over to Linux. I have another theory. Okay. And the theory is that there are plenty of solutions for Windows, Mm. but there aren't that many solutions for Linux at all. Right. Um, you may you may be right about the jumping ship thing. And some of these solutions for Windows may or may not be as good as Tuple, but there there's a, at least a solution whereas on on Linux like I don't even know like is there even a Zoom client? I have no idea. Uh, I think there might be, but I'm not sure. But I I think there if anything there certainly are going to be fewer. So it may be a scarcity yeah. of resources kind of thing where, you know, that's maybe why. But yeah, it also makes sense that some people that were Mac developers ended up kind of bailing and and going over there, but so all right. So forget about how many requests you have, like Sure. Are you going to do one? Yes, almost certainly. We are growing quite well on Mac only, but one of our top requests is, hey, I want to pair up my coworkers that have Linux machines or, or Windows mm-hmm. machines. And it's a pretty clear win for us, right? Just having more potential customers, like we can 3x our possible customer base by adding those clients. Yep. It's also a pretty big project, sure. maybe even a huge project, and permanently increases the complexity 
of the product. Mm -hmm. So once you have like, oh, oh, we don't just need to test this on a few versions of Mac OS. Now we need to test like what happens when like Catalina is sharing a screen with someone on this version of Ubuntu. Ooh, what about nice. Debian? <laughs> what about this version of Windows? What about when this version of Windows shares with this version of Linux? And like, you can just see how like the, the combinatorics explode really fast. Mm -hmm. In theory, though, if you have some kind of a standardized data stream or standardized way yes. that the data is flowing, it shouldn't matter, right? Because either either <laughs> either it conforms theory. to yeah. Well, in theory, yeah. That either it conforms to the spec or it doesn't, right? Yes. And so so in theory, yeah, that that sounds great. My hunch is that it's still going to be really hard. <laughs> Um, the internals are not the part that scares us. Like, so we, yeah. we are already in process of moving the sort of, um, platform agnostic parts of the app into rust, um, mm -hmm. partly for safety and then partly because it's going to make it easier to go multi-platform. And then also, but there is actually a pretty complicated bit, which is the, the native portion. So Tuple yep. is a, a native Mac app because we want all the goodness that being native brings, um, mm -hmm. like speed and, and feeling like a real part of the operating system or of the, yeah, the current system. And so there are going to be I think a lot of UX challenges when we start adding another native app in other platforms where it's yep. like, oh, they don't have the concept of a menu bar in Windows or they don't, or it's different. It works differently. We, we're not allowed to do these things or there's no API for this over here. So I, I think it's going to be less around the video codecs and connection negotiation. I expect that to all be basically the same. It's going to be like, how do you make another really good feeling native app, especially in platforms that we don't have as much experience with? Well, all right. So first of all, Ben, tell the truth in terms of adopting Rust for the this thing. Are you at least in part doing it just because you want to start learning Rust because it's kind of cool? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, I've been... I, I'm actually not the one writing Rust. So this was this is our CTO, Spencer, who's who's been leading that charge. Mm -hmm. And he part of it is definitely like motivation. Like we didn't start yeah. a company to, to make a, a job that we hate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of the motivation is definitely like, this is fun. It's more fun than C++. If we're going to have to write millions of lines of this thing or whatever, uh, or work on it for years, let's have it be in a language that we like working in. Well, it also, I think, increases our ability to recruit people well. Mm. Like there are fewer Rust developers than C++ developers, but there are yep. lots of people that want to become Rust developers. Mm -hmm. And so having myself a, yeah, having myself a more included. attractive technology, I think is kind of actually like a recruiting play in a way. Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah, if you know that someone's interested in Rust, like they're interested for all the right reasons, they're probably someone you want anyway. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I've been I've been messing with the the rustling stuff for a while, like just kind of kind of working my way through it. I it's weird, like I did the whole back when I was doing a whole lot of C programming. Mm -hmm. I looked at C plus plus, but I ended up just not using it at all. And I was doing Objective C stuff and then Swiss Swift stuff, but I just kind of skipped the whole C plus plus thing. Like I looked at it and actually when it first came out, I don't think it still is, but it used to be just a preprocessor for the GCC compiler. And when it first came out, like yeah. it was, it was <laughs> kind of, it, it, it isn't it, anymore. It's not anymore? Okay. No, it hasn't yeah. been for a while, but it certainly made okay. it a horrible language. So I'm going to expose my ignorance and say, what is Rust? Is Rust one of these Java-like languages only way better, or is it something else? Oh, it's so much cooler. I'll let Ben tell you. Go ahead, Ben. Well, I mean, I'm kind of the, the tech-ignorant CEO at this point, so you might have a better uh, summary than I do. Okay, so Rust is closer to being analogous to C than it would be to Java, I would say. But it does give you, the, it does give you memory safety. It's got a 
very, very interesting scheme for handling that, as well as it gives you thread safety. So it's something that actually a lot of system level programmers are looking at in terms of they get the low level, they get the speed, it's a very minimal runtime, but they also don't have to deal with, they do have to get their mind around the memory and thread safety model that is in there because it is kind of unique. And I'll be honest with you, my head is not fully around it yet. But once you do that, you're then able to write system level code without having to worry about a lot of these threading issues and memory safe uh, memory issues that if you're doing it in C or C++, you have to. By memory yeah. issues, is that garbage collection or? Memory issues in terms of, you know, just dumb stuff like, you know, being able to write beyond the boundary of something or who owns something or, you know, one thread is stomping on another thread's memory, you know, that type of thing. It takes care of the, the ownership chunk of memory. Mm -hmm. um, it still is not, I don't believe it's a garbage collection language, but I could be wrong on that. But I think it's more that it has a, it has a methodology in place for who owns what, mm -hmm. and only, only one thing can be doing something with it at a time. And Rust is something that the reason I actually got interested in it and started learning it is it's a really, really good way to build WebAssembly stuff because the, the Mozilla team did a really nice job making sure that Rust is good for that, right? For good for building as a source language for building WebAssembly stuff. But then also like Microsoft apparently is looking at adopting it system-wide just to make some of the issues that they run into as an operating system developer, you know, kind of easily, more easy to deal with. Okay. Is it like C, a compiled language? Yes. It's a compiled language and it does have a runtime, but it's a minimal runtime. It's not like Go where you're going to get this positively massive runtime that comes along with it. The cost in Rust, at least from what I have seen so far, is just learning the paradigm that it uses. Okay. I have a and feeling we should do we've gotten off topic here, but it's, it's a fascinating we're, topic we're, to me. We're way off topic, but I'll, we I'll, should totally at some point do a podcast on Rust. Yeah, and, and I'll put in one more. more than me. I'll put yeah. in one more plug for it, which is yeah. when Stack Overflow does their annual developer survey, which they get a lot mm -hmm. of responses for. So it's, I think is reasonably representative. And they ask developers, what is your most loved language? Rust has won mm. the last three years. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a language that makes people very happy. Those three people using it must have voted like a whole lot of time. <laughs> exactly. You can write a very fast automatic <laughs> voter in Rust, multi-threaded, <laughs> and it won't crash. That, that's actually a great point. Like they should have they should have that vote thing, and then whoever can write the most efficient bot that that clicks it wins, right? There I mean, you go. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Hmm. <laughs> so go wrong. So and so anyway, like we're talking about you know, you were refactoring it to Rust as part of your transition to allow you to build this for multiple platforms. The The reason why I think that is super important for you as a company mm -hmm. is when organizations look at adopting this tool, they want something that they can use site-wide, right. right? In order for that to be the case, it has to work on Windows, right? I mean, they, that Linux is going to be a concern in some places, but it at the very least has to cover Windows and probably should cover every type of machine that the people in their organization are running. And this is super important for you folks as a company because a lot of your revenue is gonna come from these enterprise licenses and they want a, they want a solution where they buy it and everyone can use it. Um, sure. I've actually talked. I've actually talked to some people at organizations and tried to get them to adopt Tuple 
You're welcome. Mm, I appreciate that. But they said that they needed something that would work with their Windows clients as well. Got it. And yep. therefore, and therefore, they weren't going to buy it. Yeah, I'm not shocked. That's probably one of the biggest reasons that we lose opportunities like that right now. Mm-hmm. So it comes with so it's pros and cons, right? Like it, it makes our development life easier because we're on one platform. But it does mean that the size of the deals that we can go after is probably limited a bit. Yeah, and it's funny. Like an organization could have, you know, let's say 90% Max, 10% Windows, and the organization rules still will not allow them to get this tool, mm-hmm. you know, for their developers, uh, potentially, and it depends on the organization. Mm-hmm. But they're always looking for universal solutions, right? They, they want just the fewer the vendors, the fewer the paperwork, the fewer the, the times they have to push the PO through, the less hassles, you know? Totally. Yep. Yeah. My, my hope is that we start these alternative clients like late this year. It's a uh, mm-hmm. hand wavy. We'll see. And yep. like the world is changing rapidly. So it, uh, our priorities have already rejiggered, but that's kind of my rough timeline. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. We're, we're all in the midst of the, the COVID-19 virus that is going crazy everywhere. So if anyone in the future is listening to this and half of humanity is gone or... <laughs> You know, you're, you're living in an end of days situation. We're all alive and well now, but I would imagine that the surge in people working from home might have had some kind of an impact on on your business. Yes, that's definitely true. Part of the reason we started the company was because we figured that remote work was going to become more and more popular, and so there'd be more and more people working from home. Mm-hmm. And this is basically that, but accelerated by a lot and more or less enforced by government mandate. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, we've uh, our our uh, basically usage has has kind of gone off the charts over the last couple of weeks. And so, so I saw that I got the, the email from you guys. I guess it was, I can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago about the mm-hmm. issue where you couldn't see your friends online or something. Was right. that a result of like the sudden surge of people yes. using it? Okay. Yeah, in particular, one of our biggest, actually our biggest customer was was already using it quite a bit and then basically told everyone to go work from home and said, here's, here's one way to keep connecting. And mm. they just added hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of users in an incredibly short period of time. Mm. And we had sort of a, we had a bit of a, like a poison pill. We we basically like for expediency's sake done a pretty naive algorithm mm. in, in part of the showing who was online, and it totally worked until you hit a certain number of users, and then it oh, started no. like backing up horribly and sort of expanding exponentially. So everything was fine, and we knew we had made this trade off, and then all of a sudden, within like an hour, it was not at all fine, and we had to sort of scramble to, <laughs> to uh, uh, pay down that so in, previous choice. So so hold on. So instead of reaching a tipping point, all your customers reached a Tuple point? Mm. Sure. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> we can edit that out. Yeah, please. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty bad. We can edit that out. Okay, but so okay, so hundreds of more customers <laughs> being added quickly, that's great because that also means like a lot more money coming in, doesn't it? Yes, it's it's a nice time to actually be charging money for something and not being like a freemium model or like a, just a VC backed. We'll right. figure out uh, money later kind of thing. Right. Because so with this the growth, we've been able to first of all invest in better infrastructure, of course, just you know bump up the yep. Heroku sizes and whatnot, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but also do some do a little bit of hiring. So we actually just right. uh, hired our first engineer who's going to be working part time with us for a while. But we're excited to be expanding the team and getting some more knowledge in here. That's fantastic. So I would think that this would be an amazing opportunity that you could leverage all that money coming in to put it towards building the the Mac and the, the Linux clients, right? Like use this windfall to to push the product forward. Yeah, totally. That's that's definitely been on our minds. So do you have a release date that you would like to announce now? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's like a great idea. <laughs> I'm oh, actually well, I'm glad I'm glad you agree. So what is the release date? Yeah, yeah. I've I've decided I have an, a new personal policy, which is to not commit 
to dates in public basically ever yes. again because yep. so far every time i've done it i have regretted it yep even when like, i name uh, a date that i'm pretty like that i'm just like oh there's no way this will be a problem uh i yep, still so have, have come back so basically what you're telling us is june 2020 so, you know <laughs> 2020 first quarter second quarter third quarter sure, fourth sure. quarter fifth quarter sixth quarter it's gonna be during a, a, it's gonna be during a quarter i can promise that yeah, all right so marion maybe you'll agree with me because you and i are like the old timers of the group so i remember it was probably like 20 or 30 years ago that we adopted the policy that we were never announcing release dates again and i just think it's it, it's it's hilarious that everyone is constantly rediscovering this it's not just ben like it, it's i see it all over the place that people are like yeah yeah, we used to announce release dates, but we don't do this anymore, right? No. Everybody but Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it feels like there's not a lot of upside to be gained by committing yeah. to a date exactly. Well, usually it's marketing, right? So if you are yep. working in a, in a decent-sized company, usually the people that want a release date are the marketing people, mm -hmm. you know? And then if you're doing that, what ends up happening is engineering is then working itself almost backwards in that it's not working on it until it's done. It's working to have the product ready for the marketing stuff, that is being done. And, you know, I mean, that's one way to run a company, but if you are developer centric, it's feels wrong, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Well, I don't think you should just let things go and go and go until everybody thinks they're done because yes, you know, you, you need to not necessarily an announced hard stop, but you need to have right. a clear plan. Mm -hmm. I'm in favor of Basecamp has been beating this drum recently, but sort of this idea of like, if you want to set a deadline, that's actually reasonable. It's kind of can be nice yep. to scope the work or to set a, set a stopping point. As long as you maintain a lot of flexibility in what the scope looks like. Right. Yes. hundred percent. That's what the issue is, right? The issue is not that there's a hard and fast date necessarily. The issue is the amount of stuff that you have promised to be in there by that date. Right. So for the companies that are announcing dates, because there, there actually are valid reasons for having something on a, in a particular release schedule, but you're 100% right, Ben. What they have to be is ruthless in terms of slashing stuff mm -hmm. to make sure that you meet that. You know, you can't have both. Mm -hmm. Either you have a fixed date or you have all the features done. <laughs> right. right. It, it just, you know, it, it, it's one way or the other. And you figure out, you know, where the give and take is there, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that, but the service that you ran or the service that you continue to run, is that primarily just handling the buddy list and a, an actual connection between two people doing a, a tuple share is just peer to peer, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it, yeah. So once once you want to pair with someone that that is immediately peer to peer and it doesn't touch our servers which is great by the way but even mm -hmm. just the whole like showing 500 people on their online status eventually became uh, a challenge so we, we run on heroku and heroku doesn't isn't really ideal for what we had which is like thousands of persistent connections mm -hmm. mm, um, yeah. like they want you to make a request and then get out of there and yep. so we kept running into these weird issues and like their support would be like kind of helpful, but not really. And, and the consensus was kind of always like, well, it's not really the best way to do this, but you can do it. And so we mm -hmm. decided we wanted to move to a different architecture. Yeah. Uh, long running servers can always have issues like that with totally. stuff accumulating. But so, okay, if you are down, let's say you're down or Heroku is down or whatever, is there any way that we can direct connect or is that just not a thing? It's not a thing right now. If you happen to have mm -hmm. like a cached version of who was online, you could certainly establish connections, but we don't have like mm -hmm. a enter somebody's IP address here or anything like that right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking that the danger there is you would never be able to auth, right? In terms of knowing that one or the right. other had an actual license. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Or, or who you were even calling for sure. Yeah. There could be spoofing potential. I'm just thinking like that potentially that could be nice. You know, just if there is sure. any downtime that I could actually connect with this thing that I own, but I get it. You know, maybe the thing that could happen is it could cache that 
you are a valid owner or something like that, you know, so it would work for 24 hours with a direct connect or something, you know, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. These, I don't know. these sound like the kind of things I'll have our like seventh or eighth engineer work on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm You're always right. curious about uh, people's DevOps. So you said that you've already moved off of Heroku or? We are in the process of, so we moved our, our biggest customers off of Heroku for the persistent connection piece. Okay. Mm. Um, Heroku still runs the backend like sign up and billing and user management, mm. but we moved to a service called Ably. That's which what I was going to ask what you moved to. <laughs> yeah, they, they specialize in exactly this. Okay. Like they have this mm. giant globally distributed network of servers that are meant to maintain long running connections to thousands of customers or clients and it was just it was funny I was talking to a fellow software company CEO one day and I was like kind of complaining about the trouble we were having and he was like oh he's like WebSockets connections is something it's like one of those things that I just always outsource to somebody else like I think of it like right. billing like I'm never going to write my own billing <laughs> engine and I'm never going to manage my own connections and I was like wait what Smart man. you can outsource this and he was like yeah <laughs> he's like there are just services that just do this and I was like holy crap and so we found we found Ably and um, have been uh, pretty happy with it so far yeah you can outsource just about anything these days I think well, it's it's just wonderful to find a landing page that says like, "Hey, we specialize in doing the thing that you do and we're, that you right. that you hate doing and that you are not doing particularly well." It's like, oh, right. hallelujah! So this is an active WebSocket connection between me and your server when I'm seeing that buddy list. Is that what it is? Currently, yes. Yep. Does it need to be? I mean, it could, it could just like ping every interval. Totally. You know? Yep, it certainly could. Yeah. We went with the active connection so that you could, as soon as someone came online, you would see it or went offline, you right. would be able to call them. Um, right. But we, if we hadn't been able to get the Ably thing working, that was going to be our fallback probably. It's just like revert to polling. Mm. Yeah, and just have like a refresh button. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yep. That would, that would prevent people from freaking out and saying it's not working and that type of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, you've got a nice surge in business from the fact that more people are working at home. I'm kind of hopeful that this is going to convince companies that working from home or, or just a remote workplace is a viable thing. Mm. I have the feeling that a lot of companies are ill-prepared for it, so they may come up with the opposite opinion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because any, anything done badly is going to leave a, a – it's just not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. And my concern is a lot of companies are just, they're being forced to go all remote and they haven't really thought it through, figured out like the right way to do it, even know like the tools or processes that they could be using to do this. But I'm still hopeful. I'm hopeful that as a result of all of this, more and more companies will be doing work remotely and using tools like Tuple when they're doing that. So far, we've been using it primarily like I'm having a problem, help me fix this or let me show you how to do that. But what are some of the other benefits of doing essentially pair programming, like for code reviews or, or what are some other use cases? Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of pairing. I, I became a fan when I got my first like really good dev job. I had a crappy dev job and then I found a good one and I mm -hmm. was, uh, it was at a Rails uh, place doing a, a Rails app and I sat next to my boss for, I don't know, probably four hours every day pairing with mm -hmm. him. And I learned so much about programming and it wasn't just Ruby and Rails, but it was also yeah. like workflow. Like how often right. do you commit and what should commit messages look like? And just all these, and like what kind of shell aliases should you have? Like what, what are some useful shortcuts that you can take? And, and so pairing was a huge boost in my skills as a developer. And it makes sense mm -hmm. because this is this is like basically the apprenticeship model for, for programming. Like we've been, humans have been learning from other 
humans forever. That's like how we do it. Like watch someone else do something, do it with them, get corrected by them. It's just an, an awesome way to learn things. It's so monkey see, monkey efficient. do. That's yeah. us. We're monkeys. You yeah, know? totally. Monkey see, and, monkey do. And it works. <laughs> so I like pairing a lot for sharing knowledge around. And it doesn't just have to be like a senior developer pairing with a junior developer. I don't think I've ever paired with anyone and not learned at least some small thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, wait, wait, how did you do that? It's like, oh, I didn't realize there was a shortcut for that. Or I, I didn't know there was docs for this or, or whatever. So it's nice for sharing programming proficiency around. It's nice for spreading knowledge of the code base around. Hey, like, uh, Marion, you, you, t- you, you wrote the widget creator. Could I pair with you on this? Because I have to go fix a bug in there. Like, that's, that's useful because now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to learn the widget creator uh, from you. Oh, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. And, and then also... Code review after the fact is probably net good. It's good to have someone review a PR, but it's, I find it's actually very hard to provide a lot of good feedback in a, in, in a PR. Like often it's just tough mm. to load all the context in your head to understand yeah. all the changes as a whole and to think through them. Whereas if per, another person and I are doing it together, we've already applied two brains to the problem and are sort of constantly peer, peer reviewing as we go. And so by the end, I, I feel much less need to get that code reviewed. I feel you on the PRs because I have some projects on GitHub that get PRs from time to time. Yeah. And I think people don't realize the, like, you know, it's kind of like your cat brings a dead mouse to your door, you know? <laughs> like the cat, <laughs> the cat thinks it's bringing you this awesome thing and their, their heart is in the right place, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. But... But it actually can be a lot of work just to make sure that the PR isn't because you don't know how much this other person knows about the project. You don't know the implications of the changes that they're making and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, I definitely oh, yeah. feel you on, on, on the PR thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think code review is kind of a necessary evil, but is a real cost uh, and takes yeah. a lot of effort. Whereas pairing kind of, I think even so you have two eyes on the problem, which means you're probably more likely to spot bugs early and issues. But there's also this nice, subtle social contract that is there or like a little bit of pressure perhaps where it's like well i don't want to write the crappy version of this because i know i'm sitting there with patrick and like he's going to call me out if i you know do this lazy version as opposed to the good version (laughs) he would definitely call you out yeah Yeah. very low exactly so so i I think that the code written by pairs tends to be of honestly substantially higher quality than something that you wrote solo Mm. So you mentioned that you learned a ton about programming by sitting next to your boss at your non-crappy dev job, right? Yes. Yep. The same way that you learned by that monkey see, monkey do thing, getting back to what we were talking about before in terms of having some videos showing us how tuple works, Mm. allow us to learn the same way. You know what I mean? Totally. And it, and at least for me, and again, it may be just because I'm lazy or whatever, but I, I like, I'm much more likely to view some of these videos if it's embedded into the actual app itself. Hmm. You know, because if it's right there, it's like, hey, we see you just set this up. Like, do you want to see how it works? I'll be like, yeah, sure. If I got to go back to the website, find the tutorial videos, like I, I just may not even do that. I may just fumble around yep. and never know that I can switch. So in the same way that you were able to watch his workflow, just in like a five minute video of you tuple share or tuple sharing with somebody else and doing stuff like, oh, wow, they switched screens. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, wow. They added a third person. That's how you do that. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a great idea. We should. We should totally do that. Yeah, I would I would think that would be fantastic from a, a monkey see, monkey do perspective, because it sounds like there's a lot of functionality that, you know, I, I know I'm not the, the brightest bulb.
tuple, but I didn't even know <laughs> I've been using tuple for a while. No. I didn't even know that it could do some of this, you know? Totally, yeah. Did you know about audio-only calls, by the way? I did not. I don't think it's something I would probably do that often, although it might be useful from like, a, you know, like using it as a glorified CB, I guess. Well, so, What's the use case for that? So one nice thing is sometimes you start a call and you don't know who's going to actually drive. Mm, so I can just yeah. call you and we can oh, talk. Okay. And it's like, why don't you share? Yep. And you go, okay. And then you can add the screen share to that call. Got it. Can you schedule like a tuple session with somebody? You can't, right? Like we don't have any schedule integration right now. Like you could certainly do it through other tools, but we don't have like a like a send an invite or something like that right know? right mm. well you can always use whatever your existing calendar is and just well, be like, uh, yeah it's not that and... big of a deal i was just curious since yeah. we had discovered a few features we didn't know about earlier sure, well, sure and i do have something that would be really useful so something jonathan and i were doing recently was we were setting a bunch of people up using a new kind of base framework for a project that we had designed right so we have myself we have jonathan and we have uh three or four other people that are kind of in the line. We ended up using Zoom for this. I would have loved to have used Tuple for this, but I don't, I, like, first of all, I didn't know that you could add more than two people to it, mm -hmm. but can you add an arbitrary number of observers or is it capped at three or how no, does that work? Yeah, you're capped at three to total people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for what it's worth as something that could potentially be useful in the future, I don't know if it's doable with a peer-to-peer because -peer, that you know starts to break down i don't know right like maybe i don't think zoom is peer-to-peer -peer. i think it goes through their server i think that's correct i, I mean it must once uh, you reach a certain number of participants at least it, it has to because it's not going to scale um right. but just for situations like that where you know we wanted to share i think it would have been really useful yeah so th that's actually one of our like most requested features right now is better mobbing support which is which is a, a nice sign like people are saying like we like it we just want to use it with more people so it's like hey that's cool i'll take that yeah so it's yeah. mobbing uh, is kind of like multi-platform and that it is a big complexity increase. But, yeah. you know, it's it's something that we're going to we're going to we're going to do both those things. And maybe an architecture change. Right? Oh, definitely because... an architecture change. Yeah, because right now yeah. it's peer to peer. And then if you add a third person, we basically establish a mesh network uh, mm, and the okay. mesh breaks down pretty fast once you add more people past three. So we're going to have to move gotcha. to a, a new architecture where you kind of stream into a server and that server sort of multicasts out to to bunches of people which means now we need to maintain these servers so and you know switch from a peer-to-peer -peer connection to a one person connects to a media server blah 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 so it gets it gets complicated fast and this is why like zoom is a multi-billion dollar company because this problem is hard mm, yeah for sure although it, it always amazes me like as big of a company as zoom is and as much money as they have like their their ux is just bad isn't that weird <laughs> when it comes to yeah. i don't get it like, i don't I get don't, it either i don't I, mean, I use I'm, it despite the UX. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like a. I, I'm glad as a as a competitor that they do that. Uh, right. Like part right. of it gave us kind of uh, some space to run, I think. Uh, but it, it's surprising yeah. to me. It's like shouldn't shouldn't someone at some point take all that money and like hire like really good designers and make this thing amazing? Yeah. I, I guess well, they're I just putting great. their efforts at the core functionality of the tool, and it and it does work well. But I mean, right. I think a lot of and us use it. That's for a that. testament yeah. to how how the core value proposition is just like reliable, stable video chat. Right, is the exactly. Important thing. Yeah. yeah. And to exactly. your earlier point, I'm sure part of it is that they do work on Linux, they work on Mac, they work on Windows. Like, yeah, <laughs> when they yeah, yeah iOS, so, yeah. So it's yeah having to make so that for them to roll out a, yep. yeah for them to roll out a new UI is not a small effort. Sure. Okay, so I did, we, we didn't know it earlier, so I ended up Googling it just because I wanted to know. There is a Linux client yep. for, for Zoom, 
which I I wasn't sure of. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense why they're so they're they're so big is they they are using a client server model which allows them to scale up the way most of these other tools cannot, right? Like whereby and a lot of these other things are all peer to peer as far as I know. Well, I think it's great that Tuple you're eventually going to support that because for some things like for the the case that I was mentioning earlier where it's really a I want to show a bunch of people how to do this thing mm-hmm. and maybe one on one, you know, like obviously having them all control the the other screen at, at the time would be silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is definitely a use case I've run into, but just just as a tool to allow me to connect quickly and easily with people that I am partnering with on projects. Tuple has been fantastic. Like mm-hmm. I, I, my my hat is off to you Ben. I really have enjoyed using this product. Thank you so much. That is so awesome to hear cuz it's it's a lot of work and it's the the, the I think the, like the scariest thing about starting this company was like we didn't know if we could actually do it technically. Like we right. had this theory that if we could make a really good pairing app, people would like it and we could make a business around it. But we hadn't we yeah. really didn't know if we could. And it was like this giant question mark and so hearing people use it and appreciate it is just like so gratifying. Well, you're doing exactly what I recommend people do when they have an idea for a product or a startup company, which is that you focused in on one particular type of person. And you said, mm-hmm. I'm going to solve the problem for this person, this specific use case scenario, this niche. I think it's big enough that I can support a company solving the problem, but I'm going to do a really good job just here. Like we'll, we'll talk about, you know, expanding to all these crazy things down the road, but I'm going to solve this group of people's problem. Right. And I think that's a great way to do it when you have a product or a startup company. And then if you need to scale it out to other markets, you can, but you've proven that it works in this use case. Yep. Totally. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that approach worked out no i think it's i think it's fantastic and i do have a bug report <laughs> okay let's hear it well i did i did send it in to, okay. you, to you folks so i don't know i don't know go, where it went go ahead let, I, let it out you, you want to do it now i was going to do it yeah. like off air okay we'll do it now all right so i use a uad apollo twin for doing audio recordings like i'm doing right now on our podcast yep and so I've got a nice microphone set up and everything runs through it. And it's it as a input and output device, like it has a whole bunch of tracks that go in and out mm-hmm. and I cannot use it with Tuple. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. The, the audio yeah. is garbled. I have to switch to my webcam in order for it to work. Huh? Okay. I think you should yeah, open so is... a pull request. Yeah, right. All right. Um, so we this is kind of a known issue in that like external audio interfaces for some reason mm-hmm. do not work and we don't quite know why but the good news is the person we just hired has a bunch of expertise in this area so this is yep. one of the areas of the code base we want to stick him on is like our uh, our audio engine cuz audio stuff it's, it's like there's a reason like the, the universal like can you hear me i can't hear you yep. i can hear you can you hear me yeah. it's like a, such a common thing on calls and I, I think it's basically like we have like 1990s sound <laughs> drivers and code interacting with mm. you know early 2000s yeah. a streaming and whatnot and it's just like it's just kind of a the, the apis are pretty bad and they're it's like hard to do audio well and so it's it's, it's it's funny. So, I mean, in, in addition to doing a screen capture product, we also did a whole bunch of audio products. Mm. Um, I actually have a, I actually have a, a software patent. I'm not going to, I'm Whoa. not going to publicize it. Well, people are going to, Oh, it's a shakedown. That's a good idea. Oh, Ben, actually <laughs> nice little business you got there. Tuple top. Yeah. <laughs> How much of a percent are you going to give me, buddy? No, <laughs> no, not that. But so I'm familiar with. So it, it's actually like it's kind of a small world in terms of audio engineers in in the uh, the Mac Apple ecosystem. There, there's a shot that I know the guy that you hired. Possible. Don't don't mention. Oh, it. Don't yeah. mention it on there. But, 
Okay, sure. Yeah, he said he was okay with it. <laughs> but anyway, but, but yeah. So 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 known known issue. Um, unfortunately, you're you're a bit of an outlier in that not a lot of people are using mm-hmm. those external interfaces. So it just hasn't quite made it to yep. the top of the the priority queue. But I, I apologize. Yeah. You can't use your your fancy setup yet. I'm guessing that it has to do with just that there are multiple audio tracks coming in, uh-huh. and the tracks that the audio that it should be picking up may not be what it thinks it is. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of you know usually you're used to having just a right and a left that's coming out and here there's a right left and then there's like 20 other audio tracks so <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway i don't know but there that's my bug report but everything else has been fantastic and uh ben tuple is great i hope that this covid19 i hope that it ends up being something that is fortuitous for you because i think your product is excellent i think more people will benefit from it whether mm-hmm. they have to be working from home or not but that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast if you'd like to have every episode delivered to your favorite player you can subscribe via rss or find us on itunes or google play and if you like what we're doing please review our show on itunes it's the best way to help others find the show you can also follow us on twitter at devmo.fm we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode leave us a comment on the devmo.fm website where we can continue Continue the conversation for the devmo.fm podcast. I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Jonathan Melville. I'm Marian Newlevent. And you know, I actually meant to mention that you've got a podcast called The Art of Podcast, but we'll definitely put it in, in the links uh, anyway, Ben. But okay. thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, My uh, pleasure. It was I, fun. Good chat, everyone. You just, yeah. Yeah. But Patrick and, and Jonathan, you guys don't know this, but did you know that all this time we have been talking to Marion Newlevent and that is not her name? What? That, that is not her name. That is not her legal name. Newlevent is not her name. I mean, now that you say it, it's not a typical last name, so... It's a stage name. I'm going to stop the recording right here to leave a stage name, to leave everyone in suspense.